Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm and you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30 followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now for the best part, let's get into the word. Um, I know that... Um... First of all, I honor all men and women of God from various ministries that are present, all saints. I honor you in Jesus' mighty precious name. Um, um, my responsibility um, or my assignment is to actually to explore this, um, uh, to explore the mystery, to explore or to demystify, to demystify um, the significance and meaning of altars. What is an altar? Um, because I believe what's an altar, what's its spiritual significance and unto us, because there are those, whatever you don't understand, you have no mastery over. So it's important for something to work for you. You have to understand what it is exactly. Yesterday I spoke, um, I gave an introduction where I say that there are, um, there are static altars, stationary altars, and there are moving altars. And in time, in, in terms of men, we spoke about um, um, in that regard when I was making introduction. But I wanna, <laughs> as I've been told, that a great teacher repeats himself. <laughs> so not because he has nothing to say, but for clarity. Now, a brief summary as we move forward. I spoke. Yesterday, I gave um, the introduction, the biblical history of um, of godly altars, godly altars, and um, and I say to us that the use of altars is as old as the existence of man, and we saw that in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter three verse eight, we said the Garden of Eden was a kind of an altar where God met and fellowshiped with man regularly so we saw there at the introduction of everything that god would also come at a particular time of the day in the cool of the day as you look at genesis 3 and verse 8 it will show you that god came in at the in the cool of the day to fellowship with adam and now this means that in the garden of eden we have a place and a time of fellowship between God and man. And we, I said yesterday that um, um, because an altar is a place of worship and we saw that the word worship does not did not suffice in the Bible until, until in Genesis chapter 22 when God told Abram to go and sacrifice his only son Isaac. And you can see from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to chapter 21, there is no word in the Bible about worship until chapter 22. And then, and then we saw that he said to um, his um, servants, he said, stay here uh, while me and the, and the lad go yonder uh, to worship. 
but I say to you that kind of worship was not the kind of worship that our generation misconceptedly think is worship. We have misconceived what worship is in most cases. But I say to the people yesterday that is not worship until it has cost you something. And we say that worship, the definition of worship in connection to the altar, because the place of an altar is a place of worship. And we said, what is worship? Worship is a dynamic. It is power that is born out of a vibrant relationship, a vibrant or lively relationship that one, that one has with Jehovah God. Minor singing. Singing, clapping hands, jumping around, playing the instruments are accompaniments of worship, but it's not what the worship is. It's a dynamic. It is power. This power is born out of a vibrant, lively relationship, um, lively relationship that one has with God. So you see, Abram gets to that place and said, I'm going to worship. But he took the firewood as we saw yesterday and he goes deeper to worship. And what was he going to worship? What was Abram referring to or Abraham referring to was worship. <laughs> God told him, take your son whom you love dearly and offer him to me as an offering. So while he left the other people down and he went deeper, he went to worship to offer something that was dear to him. And I said yesterday that the place, your altar is a place where you offer that which is dear to you. What you consider to be more valuable to you, you sacrifice it at the expense of the one you consider to be even more valuable than that which you still value. So it's not a place of worship. It's not true worship and devotion until it requires, until it takes away something that we consider to be dear. And when it comes to this God that we have now found, there is nothing more important than him. So, and I say to you, and I say to us yesterday that you see when the, when worship dies, God dies in a generation. The death of worship in a generation is the death of God in a generation. Not literally that God is dead, you understand what I mean. But when, the when worship is dead, God is dead in that generation. So now you can see, and I say to you, I gave you a scripture. Of, actually, I didn't give it to you, but I asked you to look for it for me. It is in one of those Psalms, Psalms 140 something. If it is not 44, 41, it says that um, the idols, those that worship them, become like them. So those that worship idols become like them. Those that make them, worship them, look like them. And I say that you look exactly like what you worship. And I say to us, and it is from that submission that I say that worship is a two-edged sword. Worship is a two-edged sword because it leaves the imprint of the one being worshipped upon the worshipper as the worshipper himself also attaches worth and value upon the one being worshipped. So it, so it is not consummated. Worship is not consummated consummated until those two factors um, are into play. You as a worshiper, there has to be worth, value, like I gave an example of a phone. And I say that what we call worth is this another synonym for credit or airtime or, 
or bundles or data, whatever you choose to call it in your nation. That data is what you put on the phone. So they are, you have to, uh, data cost you something. For the phone to be functional, it has, for you to be able to make a call, to communicate with anyone, this phone has to add, you add worth, you add credit, you add value. So that which you add on there is what actually facilitates for communication. Other than that, if this phone, no matter how beautiful it may look like or seem like, but if it has no data, there's no bundles or airtime, it is useless. You can't contact anybody. You can't use it for anything because it is worthless because it has no worth, no credit. So in other words, I said worship comes from the word worthiship. What do we worship? We worship his worthiship. The word worship comes from the word worth because we worship his worthiship. Now, for worship, as I said, is a two-edged sword. You have to add worth. You add credit. You put value on something. And now, that's why I say as a two-edged sword, we put worth on our God. We bring our worth, whatever we consider to be of worth, we put it on God. So, and then God's image in, in response to that is imprinted upon us, the nature and the character. So we, we ask now, when the true worship is dead in a generation, if it is misconceived or mis misunderstood, misapplied, then there is the death of God in the generation because there will be no transformation. Because true worship leaves the imprint of the master upon the one being the one worshiping. When we talk about the imprint, we talk about image, character, the nature. The nature of the master is imprinted upon an individual. That's when we begin to look like him. But most of us have sung songs and yet ended up looking like demons. When people look at us, when people look at us, there is no way that um, they can't even trust us with an office. Yet we are good in praying in tongues. We are good in singing worship. But the nature, there is something in the, that, that is not co coordinating. Do you understand? So in this, we're talking about an altar and God says to Abraham, there, you will sacrifice your son for me. And Abraham had to raise an altar in honor to the word that he had heard. And you know, we said you cannot talk about um, an offering or a sacrifice without talking about an altar. We went back into the history and we said yesterday, in case you've just joined me as we move forward, we said that actually the word altar is what you call misbeah in Hebrew language, a place of worship, a place of sacrifice. So therefore we understand now as you follow me clearly, I want you to Follow, uh, I, want, I want you to take heed of this. We said they are stationary, they are physical and the spiritual altars. They are stationary and mobile altars. And to that mobile altar, I submitted and I said to you, do you see why Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 to 2, um, actually verse 1, when you read it in the message bible says this is now what i want this is what i want you to do um it says now god helping you present your everyday life present of present your everyday life that is your ordinary life your eating life your sleeping life your going to work life you're walking around you're walking about life bring it to god as an offering and remember 
whenever we talk about an offering, there has to be an altar. So every single day, we come to the throne of grace, which is an invisible altar. The throne of grace is invisible, but let me tell you something. Most of us don't realize that actually the actual reality is the supernatural. Things that we see in the physical are just a, a reflection of the reality in the supernatural. So what we see is temporary, but what we don't see, the Bible says, it is what? That's what is permanent. That's what is actually tangible. So that's why faith is a, a substance of the things we are hoping for. Substance, it is tangible. Substance is something that you touch. And that's why before the sun manifested, it was already existing in the supernatural. Now when we see this in the physical, it's just a manifestation of the reality that was already existing in the supernatural, in the spiritual. So now, that's why there are spiritual houses, there are physical houses. My body is a physical house, but there is a spiritual house as well in the supernatural. There is an earthy man, but there is also a supernatural man. Now, the earthy is limited, the earthy is stationary, but the super is unlimited and is mobile. So then man becomes a moving altar by reason of his devotion to God. So Romans calls us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. If you are presenting a body as a sacrifice, then there has to be an altar where you're bringing that body. Now, there are personal altars, there are cooperate altars. I'm speaking this for you for more clarity, though I spoke about it initially yesterday before I move forward. Cooperate altars personal altars, family altar. I have a personal altar where my personal devotion, we are a couple, we are a family, but I have my personal devotion, family devotion. Praise the name of the Lord. We have a family devotion, personal devotion, and this we teach to all our children in our homes. Why? Teaching them their moment when you have a moment with God. Yes, we have prayed as a family, but learn to create your own time where you are off the phone, you're off this, and go to your bedroom and have, a, even if it is 10, 15 minutes, teaching them why. Have your personal devotion and talk to God as you. If you want to read the book of wisdom, go and read the book of wisdom. I try to show my children this and I tell them because my personal altar is where I draw strength to feed my family altar. And my family altar and personal altar, these are the two important aspects that empower me to feed the congregation in the church. So all of us imagine if we were serious and devoted on our personal altars, when we come to a place of fellowship together now on the corporate altar, the specific altar God has ordained like in names of Shiloh, in the names of the Rebuilders Tabernacle, in the names of the Cornerstone, these are designated key places now that through men and women that God has ordained where may other people cooperately come to meet and then have an exchange because in their personal closets, the closet you call a closet is your altar. The place you have consecrated in reason of timing, by reason of time, and a particular time that when you have made, you, you have agreed with God that I meet with God at 5 a.m. I meet with God at this particular time of my old, um, of my devotion to have time with him. 
And then guess what? It is that place where you empowered. When we come to koinonia, to fellowship, now there will be true fellowship and exchange because we all understand fellowship is the exchange. So there will be an exchange. But if somebody lives a life that is empty, he will only rely on, co on a corporate gathering. That's why we come to our churches and we find people that are so empty, people that are, you know, some people whilst we are in fellowship, others are worshipping and they're experiencing the move of God and others are just like, well, I am feeling nothing. Why are these people acting or what? Because I am feeling nothing right now. Why is that happening? Because you can see when, when empty... <laughs> You see, Mary and Elizabeth, when they came into fellowship with each other, there was something. There was something that was leaping on the inside of them because both of them had had fellowship. Their fellowship with God was intact. They were pregnant, so when they came, something was leaping for joy on the inside of them. That's what happens when we meet with each other. We empower, impact each other. So now, moving forward on that. Um, and we say that God says, present your body a living sacrifice. You know, you're, you're bringing your body on a daily basis somewhere. And that's your lifestyle. Now, if we reduce worship to singing and uh, instruments and all everything else, rather than the, and we ignore the lifestyle, then there will be no impact. There will be no power of God in our community. It will can't be able to affect and affect the community positively. Now, we went on to say that um, God made man in Eden at a particular time of the day, the cool of the day. And I said, you see, it is indiscipline, and we need to understand that God does not empower indiscipline. God loves people that are disciplined, and it takes really discipline to pray and to seek God. And I tell people that any man or woman that cannot discipline himself to live before the presence of God will eventually live at the masses of men and women who are able to discipline themselves to live before the presence of God. Men that and women that devote themselves to the discipline of devoting their lives to seeking God become solutions in their generations. Whereas those that ignore the discipline of, be, of, of devoting their lives to God will live at the masses of such men and women because they are the ones with the direction of where God is going to, of what God is doing. The rest of the other people are, what, was, what do you think God is saying? Listen, today we have a lot of pen, what I call Pentecostal foolery when it comes to prophet, the prophetic ministry. It has been misconceived, misunderstood, and misapplied in many ways. You hear people leaving countries to go to other places to go and seek to hear what God is saying. What happened to the Holy Spirit? You find the New Testament believers acting like Old Testament believers. What am I saying? In the Old Testament, men had to go and inquire from a prophet because the Spirit of the Lord was upon three individuals, the king, the priest, and the prophet. You know, the king, priest, and the prophet, those are the three people upon whom the Spirit of the Lord operated. So people had to go and inquire God's counsel from such people. We see that in Malachi, the Bible says that, um, that the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge. That's Malachi 2. That the priest of the, the lips of the, of the priest, Malachi, I believe, 2.8, should preserve knowledge for 
now for the congregation of the assembly will come and inquire counsel the counsel of the lord from his lips now we can see that people needed to go to those three particular instruments that god had ordained or systems or protocol through which god would speak to the assembly but when it comes to the new testament god has given you and i a responsibility to ensure that your spiritual antennas are sharpened through your devotion why because now the holy ghost is no longer upon a specific individual is upon is within you and upon your life now that means you have to activate that relationship the glory of god is not just going to descend from an atmospheric place somewhere the glory of god is the person of jesus christ the holy ghost living on the inside of you so it's your responsibility to activate that glory of the lord that is already resident on the inside of you by reason of your devotion by reason of your discipline now moving forward to this this is why you realize that the bible says those who are led in a generation the scripture romans 8 um, romans 8 14 says that those who are led by the holy spirit of the living god they are the children of god the sons of god now in our generation the bible doesn't say those who are led by the prophet yes we are built according to ephesians 2 20 we are built upon the foundation of the prophetic and the apostolic but because the spirit of christ and the testament of christ is a testament of prophecy but you need to understand that this spirit of prophecy is the person of the holy spirit in a believer so by virtue and reason of our constant cultivation of our personal relationship with god we we give we advantage ourselves we put ourselves in a place of advantage where we can be able to hear the things that the natural eye the natural ear cannot hear and perceive and see and understand that what the natural mind cannot perceive you perceive you conceive things that the natural man cannot be able to conceive and see things that the eyes cannot see those are the things preserved for people like that but it calls for discipline it calls for discipline this discipline which causes you to devote your life so when most people are called to a place of prayer they think they are actually benefiting the pastor they your attendance your call your response to the call of prayer does not build does not benefit the pastor it benefits you because there are certain in resident in every person are dreams are dreams or assignments that god has given to you it is easy to say i have a destiny yes everybody god has called has a destiny because destiny simply means means the heaven's expectation upon an individual in time that which heaven before you were you came into existence that which god had in mind for you to fulfill in time destiny is nothing else but you be, being a solution to the problems that god created you to solve now you see when when you do not present yourself in the presence of God by reason of your devotion you will not know what God has ordained you for and when you are ignorant of your destiny you become a hazard you become a hazard in the church you become a hazard to your generation rather than being a solution that God created you to be there is a system that God has ordained that is present and before you that you need to subscribe and tap into in order to um, for you to be set on the platform to give yourself an advantage to manifest 
to manifest because your manifestation is important if you don't manifest there are people that will never smile there are people that will never be happy there are people that will never leave because you failed to show up you whereby their lives their their existence is tied to your manifestation is tied to your destiny now I always tell people bragging about the destiny you have is no is like as the Bible says in Proverbs there's a proverb that says that um, a, a, any man who boasts of the gifts that he does not give is like it's like the black nimbus is like the the, the 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 cloud the dark clouds without rain as dark clouds without rain is a man who boasts of the gift that he does not give many people say i'm gifted but you it's not about just being gifted and destined it's about manifesting your destiny and i tell people possessing a glamorous destiny <laughs> is not guaranteed to its fulfillment until you respond until you know what you're supposed to do but let me also say this to us because destiny the fulfillment of destiny is connected to your 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 willingness to die to exchange it for something that is more bigger and deeper than you normally i tell people one of the definitions of destiny is the imperative the importance of exchanging a life for a cause or a goal that is worth living or dying for a cause that is bigger than you that's why we are called to submit our bodies every single day surrender your life now when we god talks about my brethren, I, I, I beseech you by the masses of God to present your bodies. It's not just only talking about this flesh and blood. It's talking about your sleeping life, your eating life, your working, going to work life, your walking about life. Some of you love walking dogs. Some of you love, you know, whatever it is. You, you, and present it as an offering to God. Now, an offering is not something you give because you don't like it. An offering cannot be an offering if you don't like it. You give something not because you, you hate it. You give it because you love it in the form of sacrifice. That's why it tells you bring your bodies as a living, not a dead one. A living sacrifice. It's living, it's costly, it's painful, but it's, it's, it has great reward with it. I hope I have made myself clear on there. So that's what makes you now you become a moving altar because now you have connected and tied your life to the throne of Jehovah God. That's an invisible throne where you're offering your body as a living sacrifice. Nobody sees it. But as you make this sacrifice, as you, you're going to work life, it's given to God. How do you give your work life to God? By making sure now making sure that the resources even the finances that you get from your place of work they are you know they are not yours because your body is not yours what you sacrifice leaves your hands is no longer yours whatever you give as an offering you have no power over it is no longer yours it has escaped your hands it is offered now it is offered unto the master so similarly when your job ceases to be yours your money ceases to be yours so whenever god says hey there is something i want to do in my house there you go because you know that god, you are only a distribution kingdom distribution center that way when you live in such a way therefore it means that now your job 
is offered as a living sacrifice. You're eating life. I said yesterday, there are people that, God forbid, but there are people that will never fulfill destiny because they love food more than their destiny. They love food. Many people kill today for food. They lie. Corruption is as a result. Why do people why are they corrupt? Why do people lie? Why do they go and mud sling other people? Food, stomach. You're eating life. You're drinking life. You're going to you're going to bed. You're sleeping life. They are said there are people. Let me say this to you. If you sleep, if you sleep, if you are 20 years old, um, if you are 20 years old and you sleep for six hours every day. Every night, if you sleep for six hours, if you are 30, yeah, if you're 30 years old, I want you to make this calculation. If you're 30 years old and you sleep, and you sleep six hours every night for 20 years, you have just slept 30, you have just slept 20 years. Whether six hours for 20 years, yeah, and you are 30, by the time you are 50, you slept 20 years. 20 years of sleep, just not knowing what's going on in this earth, just sleeping, just sleeping. If you sleep every day, every day, six hours for 20 years, by the time if you were 20, by the time you are 50, you have slept that 20 years. Now there are people, and then we admire, the people we admire. One time I was listening, one of those old clips of um, Apostle Grace Lubega, and he was teaching about, he was saying, you see me manifesting now, but I manifested then in my bedroom. He was talking about, no, uh, uh, he was talking about having your spirit, having an encounter with a person of, of the spirit of God, your personal spirit. And he went on to say that um, he would pray for eight hours in tongues on a daily basis. Eight hours in tongues. Now, when people admire what they see now, they don't understand the sacrifice behind the story or behind the glory. Every glory has a sacrifice, a sacrifice story connected to it. Now we're talking about an altar. Now, and the reason I spoke this because there was a particular time that God met with Adam in the cool of the day. And he met, he did not meet him anywhere, but he met him at a designated place called Eden. So we have seen that that means Eden, we have, this means that in Eden we have a place and we have a time of fellowship between God and man. It is my desire that you create a place and a time for God to always seek him. And I want to congratulate all of you and to appreciate you that make time to come to this altar. And uh, sacrifice and give because you're sacrificing sleep. It's not worship until it has cost you something. Show me the price. Show me. 
So, and I'll tell you, and I'll show you the lifestyle of an individual. Now, let's move on. We spoke about yesterday, if you remember, moving forward, we spoke about um, um, that Adam was expelled. After Adam had been expelled from the Garden of Eden because of his disobedience, we saw yesterday that men like Seth, Seth became the, the trailblazer, you know. He blazed the trail in calling upon God. And what do we see? Obviously, um, Seth did that, but through altars, we saw that Seth raised an altar and he began calling upon God. We look at Genesis chapter 4, 26, and Seth, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos, and he began, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 4.26, a man called Enoch, that's where we stopped, a man called Enoch was to be, um, he was to be a walking altar. What made Enoch a walking altar? So wherever Enoch was, God was. Wherever God was, Enoch was because he took fellowship to the next level. The New Testament, Enoch is just the, the true reflection and example of what a New Testament believer should be in our fellowship with God, in our walking with God. That when we enter the city, God has entered the city. As in what part of the intercession has been today? When you show up, you are a principality in Christ. <clears throat> a principality in Christ. Because Jesus is the king of kings. Now we understand what principality. Principality is a governor. Like a king over a region, over a territory. So if Jesus is the king of kings, he is the principality of principalities. Are you hearing me? So therefore, you as a Lord, you are a principality over nation, over territories, over regions. When you show up, peace has shown up in the city. Peace has shown up in the community. But what happened? Why is it that principalities that are supposed to show up don't show up? Because there are certain key principles, kingdom principles that we undermine. We have not activated that which we have. Um, in future... As we continue to fellowship, I will talk about activating glory. Because glory can go to sleep. The glory of a man, the glory of a family, the glory of a nation can go to bed. But, and it, it requires men to activate it. So that's why when we see people that are manifesting, it's not that they have not been in existence. Something, the glory, their glory had gone to bed. That's another thing. Let's move on. Um, that's before another time. Now we see that a man called Enoch was to be a walking altar. A walking altar of Jehovah God. And what do we see? The Bible shows us in Genesis 5.24. And when we read in Genesis 5.24, the Bible says, And Enoch walked. That is fellowship. He walked. It wasn't just smoke. It's not talking about hiking. It's talking about fellowship. Enoch walked with God. He lived before God. He fellowshiped with God and he was not. He was no more for God took him. Now, many may admire this, admire such a translation to be translated from the natural into the supernatural without experiencing death. But they do not understand, they, they don't see the sacrifice of Enoch that he had to deny himself 
in order for him to enter into such a dimension. There are things he had to sacrifice to enter into such a dimension. Child of God, where you want to step into demands your destiny, the manifestation of your destiny demands an exchange. Every destiny that you admire, I tell people behind every noble, I tell people normally this, that behind every noble and successful life that you admire, there are principles and disciplines and sacrifices that have forged such a life. So now, so that's why for me, when I look at certain men of God, I look for their disciplines because the mystery, the secret of their prosperity, the secret of their anointing is hidden in their daily routine. A champion is only, a champion is only recognized in the ring the way he moves. I was a boxer, but a champion is, rings don't make people. The ring is only a, a, a platform a platform where you are recognized. So men are only recognized. Champions are recognized in the ring by reason of the way they move. But champions are made in their daily routine. Show me your routine and I'll tell you what you're going to be. Your daily routine is where the mystery of a man is hidden in his daily routine. Not in his performances. Performances only reveal... Uh, men are only recognized by, by through performances, but they are hidden in their routine. So it is there when you submit your body as a living sacrifice, that's where the real you, that's where the real substance, the real man, the matter, the real matter is here. Now, he walked with God. Or literally, God carried this man away. Wherever he went, God carried him. He carried God wherever he went. That's why God is calling this generation of ours to be God carriers. This is a generation that must carry God. We are God carriers. Emmanuel, God with us. God in us, God with us. But why do we cry the same cry that the worldly people are crying, yet we are God carriers? I am the temple of the spirit of the living God. Who is the Holy Spirit? The one that quickened Jesus from the dead. Who is the Holy Spirit? The most powerful person, person of God. The most powerful person of person that has ever existed. Because now you are, he's no longer there, but he's here. He lives on the inside of me. He's the greater one that lives on the inside of me. That's one when I show up by reason of my relationship by reason of his existence in this body that I no longer live but he lives wherever I show up a principality has shown up but the reason we are not showing up because it is us showing up not realizing that we no longer live the greater yam lives on the inside of us and has shown up but have we allowed him expression the Holy Spirit cannot impose we, for, he must find expression in this temple. Now, this temple must submit. We must come as an offering to allow my willingness to present my body as a living sacrifice is what gives expression to the Holy Spirit, is what gives him expression and permission to express himself through my this body, which is no longer mine. It is his own temple. Remember, he doesn't impose. Now, moving, we're talking about, um, still talking about this man, Enoch, as we move forward. Mm -hmm. Now, anywhere, 
Enoch was a God carrier. He became a God carrier by reason of his fellowship with God. And why was this story written? It was written for our example. It was written to show us that we too we can become God carriers. We can carry God wherever we go. And the Bible shows me that anywhere you saw, that means if Enoch was a God carrier, anywhere you saw Enoch, God was there. Anywhere you saw Enoch, God was there. Now, according to the Bible, he eventually dematerialized into God. Enoch dematerialized. He walked with God in such a way that he came to a, a, a level where he dematerialized into God. Men of the altar, men and women of the altar can easily migrate from the physical to the spiritual realm. Baba, there's a, a, a Nigerian man, the, one of the ones that they say was Abba, Baba Lola, the one they say he was one of the men that God used to um, um, as a trailblazer for the Pentecostal church in Nigeria. Babalola married a woman who was so stubborn. This man was sold out to God, but he had a wife that was so stubborn. At one particular time, it was reported that he had a crusade where he was to preach. When the wife knew, she took the padlock and locked him in the house, in the bedroom rather, and she left because she didn't want him to go and preach. He tried and, and tried and tried, but he was locked in. He knelt down and began to pray for hours in tongues. Guess what happened? The padlock did not break off, but Babalola appeared on the altar of the crusade where he was preaching. He, he was meant to preach. He preached. He preached. People got born again. And after he finished to preach, he vanished. He was back in the bedroom. Yet his body never left the bedroom, but people saw him on the altar and the wife. That's how God broke the heart of this woman, this, the stony heart of the woman. When that happened, it is said that this man one time, he told the congregation, his church, let us pray. And he stood on the altar and he said, let us pray some little, some small, small prayer. When he began to pray, he thought he's just praying little, some little, little prayer. He prayed. The congregation left. They went home. He's still standing in the same place where he was praying, closing his eyes. The day, the, they went home. The night went on. The next day they came. They joined him, prayed, and people got had left, came back the next day. For 72 hours, he was standing in the same place. They left him on Sunday. Praying in the same place. Standing in the same place for 72 hours. That's the man who prayed. And during that time, they had the hospital near where Babalola was, was emptied because there were no more sick people. And even the prisoners, were, the, the, the police in the area could not have no, there were no more thieves where he was. They were, the, the police was empty of prisoners. The witches and wizards in that area had to surrender their witchcraft, otherwise they were dying by reason of his intercession. So what I'm saying that uh, 
men of the altar can easily migrate from the physical to the spiritual realm. They can operate easily from the two realms according to the will of God. We talk about Philip, a man, if you are, you are having a, pro, a problem with this, there is in, in Acts of Apostles chapter 8, Philip migrated like this. Pew! From him, he disappeared and he appeared in Azotus. So, should we choose to say that as a generation we have limited God? We have limited God, we still cry over little small things. Yet there is a system that we can subscribe to that God has ordained for us. Coming to the throne of grace. I'm talking about altars. After Enoch, men like Noah, they are men like Abraham, they are men like Isaac, they are men like Jacob. And also, these men also raised altars, which they called which they called upon the name of the Lord, upon which these men called upon the name of the Lord God. But yet we are told that if we are to understand, as I said yesterday, that the New Testament is in the Old concealed and the Old is in the New revealed. So for you to understand your future, you must understand your history. In the interpretation of scripture, for those of you who are theologians, you understand what eschatology is. The eschatology of the scripture is the science of the interpretation of the scripture. In other words, eschatology is the future. But for you to understand the future of the, of the scripture, you must understand the history. The history. Now, the things that happened in Colossians 2.16 in the Old Testament existed as shadows and the, realities and, you, is, and the reality is Christ. These were shadows. We are the reality. The old Israel was the shadow. The, the reality is the church of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. However, if there were a physical altars men raised in the in, raised, yet those altars were in two dimensions. A physical place designated for God just like in the physical we designate churches just like right now this zoom is a virtual altar it is virtual because we are meeting on this altar virtually yet it is a spiritual platform where men come to transact and as we are transacting on this spiritual platform someone is being impacted somebody receives the right now word for the right for the right now situation and they say that woman was speaking to me that man was talking to me and and, and how because they have subscribed because you presented yourself and subscribed to this subscribed to this system then therefore you place a demand on heaven to speak to you so men raised the altars in the old testament and if we are the bible says looking unto abraham the rock look to the rock from which you have been hewn look to abraham if abraham as a first believer the father of believers his life is connected to an altar. The first thing that Abraham, when he steps, when he leaves Mesopotamia, actually when he crosses over from Haran after the death of his father in Genesis thirty, um, Genesis uh, eleven thirty one, after the, the, his dad um, 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 Terah dies in Haran, he crosses over into Genesis chapter twelve. Pardon me. Um, and what we see. What we see there is that um, um, Abram, in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 12, 
what's the first thing as he steps into his land of promise? When he steps into the place of obedience, he raises, he builds an altar to God. First step of your Christian life. Prayer. Your prayer life is the first step to growing in your Christian life. Once that is neglected, fellowship, your devotion. Devotion. So you don't so when you your devotion is not to help your pastor is not oh you know pastor i showed up you know i no 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 it is helping you now the physical altar of course we've seen that these people raise altars and they called upon the name of the lord now no spiritual man has ever operated without raising an altar i said no spiritual man be it wicked or righteous be it satanic or godly man, no man, no spiritual man, because they are spiritual wicked men and they are spirit men, spiritual men and women, you and I, the children of God. So no spiritual man has ever operated without raising an altar. Now, the altar, what is an altar? The altar is a physical or spiritual place that is dedicated for spiritual operation. It is a place, what's an altar again? It's a place of devotion. It's a place of worship. It's a place of blessing. It's a place of blessing or cursing. The altar is a place of sacrifices or offerings and so forth and so forth. Now, an altar is a sacred platform. It's a sacred platform for spiritual operation. Human priests... I remember when the woman of God was praying here, she began to say, let's acknowledge the, um, the vessels that God has put in, in our midst. Let us lift them up. And it says, if you keep praying and acknowledging, and um, even when these men get up there to stand, you remember exactly what she has said. Why? Because they are, why are they a priests? Child of God, they are, demo Satan is a counterfeit. They are satanic priests and they are godly priests. Every believer has a priesthood responsibility. When you talk about a priest, every priest must have an altar. Now, it is easier said than done when you say, oh, First Peter 2.9, we are a royal priesthood, but many priests don't show up in their office, at their offices. They only claim they are royal priesthoods who are non-functional. They are not functioning. So, human priests minister at an altar to worship or fellowship with the deities in the realm of the spirit. I... I <laughs> Motajaz, I don't want <laughs> Motajaz the family, <laughs> Motajaz that <laughs> great grandfather who was a, a sorcerer. When people wanted to kill people, for they wanted him to kill people for to cast a spell of death on other people for them, they would come and of course out of their money would purchase a pigeon, a pigeon that represents the person they want to be dead. So the pigeon will be asked as of you pay a certain price for a pigeon 
which is equivalent to whatever they feel is worth of the person you want dead, you buy a pigeon, you could buy it with a cows, several cows and um, money, whatever he has decided for you to give, then he would get a pigeon and lock it in a cage. Then they will name that pigeon, the name of the person you want to be killed. Then he would sit and open the Quran in Surat Yasin and it begins to recite Surat Yasin. For those of you who have been Muslims, you understand that that is the, a, a, a chapter book of uh, Jini, Majini, Marine Powers. So he begins to invoke uh, those powers as he's praying over the pigeon which is named after the person you want to die. As the pigeon in the cage, they are literally making decrees and speaking to that pigeon. As the pigeon dies, the person on the other side dies, either in a road accident or is shot by a bullet, boom, or hurt her, or had a, has had a heart attack and he dies. Now this is a wicked man on a wicked altar invoking curses on an altar. I took our church in Kenya in 70 days of fasting and prayer in the year 2000, from January 2000 and uh, up to March, I think the 17th or the 13th, um, 2019. In those 70 days as we were fasting and praying and praying every single day, in those 70 days we prayed 5 a.m. in the morning, we prayed in the evening and we spent the night in the church three times a day for 70 days, Monday to Monday. Until the four people, one is a Muslim sheikh who runs a mosque, but his wife runs a shrine, a coven, and the two other witches, witches and a Muslim sheikh combined together, four of them, and they decided to come and attack our church and they came because what they wanted, they gave this man an offering, money to come and put in our a basket so that the church will scatter. Certain satanic children of the devil, they understand certain mysteries that children of the light have not yet understood or even undermined and they, don't, they are not willing to study to understand. So as he came in, that the well-dressed well man uh, was on the altar. And he began to do his signs as he's entering uh, the, the, the church. I said, I was leading prayer in tongues and I was watching. And I said, why, why is this man being funny? Dressed nice but funny. I began to pray in tongues and the Holy Spirit told me, switch. Now I want you to pray this prayer point. I received the prayer point and told everybody, I said, everybody pray for the ground and the Holy Ghost incubate our territory incubate this environment with your fire as we pray in our heavenly language spirit of the living god baptize the ground with the fresh fire now me i've never prayed a prayer the holy spirit baptize the ground i've never prayed such a prayer and i didn't know why i told them to pray like that as we began to pray the man began the ground became fiery he could not stand on it. So I think he's stepping, feeling like he's stepping on coals of fire. Started to scream. He ran and fell before me where I was leading prayer by the altar. And he began to do what? He began to confess, I am sorry. As I'm praying, and I said, I've been sent here. He said, stop praying. It's too much. Our shrines, we can't have people. All the people you have prayed, the customers away, and our demons have been cast away. In this environment, now, where the shrines are, it's almost like 200 
200 miles radius. The man has come, the prayers where we are. We were not even praying about them or any witchcraft or whatever. But what's happening is that the prayer covered the territory. That witches were no longer functioning, demons ran away. And so why is this church bothering us? Why are you not, why do you pray like this? And that's why I was assigned to put money in your basket to scatter. And I said, how? He says, if this basket, because as he came in, for some reason now, me, I didn't know, the Holy Spirit tells me, the basket, the offertory basket had been laid on, on the seats. At the front, the front line, the front seats. And I told, as he walked in, I told um, one of the ushers, I said, excuse me, get that basket and put it here on the altar. Me, I didn't know. I was just led... And I don't know what I'm leading prayer. And I was not going to call anybody for an offering. No. So they put it on the altar. As soon as they put it on the altar. And I, the prayer point changes. Gives me another prayer point. To, to ask the congregation to cooperatively pray. The man begins to do what happened. Whatever happens as I've told you. Big things began to happen the way I've told you. And guess what? The man begins to say. Do you not move that basket? Because. We wanted is anything that is connected to the designated place as an altar for your go for your master. It becomes too difficult for us to approach. But I wanted to put it in there to scatter the congregation. So as he spoke those things, I be, as I was praying in tongues, as I was there on the ground, I began to see a shake seated the way this my great grandfather used to sit with the cross legs and is praying. In the mosque face and sending uh, spells and chanting towards us. Then I say to this man. You've told me. Um, there were three witches. Why are you not talking about the fourth one? The Muslim man I see the sheikh in a mosque right now. And why is he praying against this church? Why is he casting and casting spells? And the man began to cry and said, please forgive me. That is my dad. Leave him alone. His father. And, I, and the mother owned the shrine. Listen to the long story cut short. I said to this man, tell your mother and, your, and their fellow witches and wizards that the one on the inside of us is greater than you all. Tell your mother that as a minister of Jesus Christ, I give her three days to show up in this church and give her life to Christ. If she does not, she's going to be polarized from the west down. And if she refuses, and that will be a sign, if she refuses to repent and give her life to Christ, I sentence her body to death. And uh, this man thought I was joking. I said, because she's killing innocent lives and she's not willing to give her life to Christ. So if she repents, God will save her soul. If she refuses, she's going to die. The man went and told the mother. And guess what? On Wednesday, no, the next day he shows up. The same man crying. In the congregation where he was seated. And said please. My mom. I beg you please forgive my mom. I said why? 
my mom cannot walk. She's been paralyzed from her waist down to her legs. And I said, do you remember what I told you? I told you she repents and gives her life to Christ or her day of judgment has come. God has given enough time. If she doesn't, she's going to die. He comes back the next day on Wednesday pleading and I say to him, I don't think you heard what I said. Go tell your mom. The man didn't show up again, didn't return. So I don't know what happened to the mother. And she didn't show up to come to give her life to Christ. But what I'm trying to tell you is simple. That, um, that human priests minister at an altar to worship of, or to fellowship with deities in the realm of the spirit. There are local regional wishes. Although most of us, yes, we, greater is it that's on the inside of us. But do we carry out the discipline that we are supposed to? Why do our nations go the different direction when there are men and women, born again Christians? Simply because why should witchcraft arise? Why should witches have great access and the praise from our presidents when they are men? How can we, in our generation, the, the Satanists have equal presence and the men of God before the president, before our leaders. There are certain things. Why? Because there are certain people that don't understand the numbers in the realm of the spirit matter. These people, you saw the gathering of most 2,000 plus in Will, Will, you saw it in Will, Will, what? Wilshire. Wilshire. 2,000. Before Halloween, 2,500 senior witches and wizards gathered. They had a camp, a boot camp of witches to teach them of casting spells. It was on BBC. To, to teach junior how to cast spells and how to chant. Senior witches going to mentor the junior ones here in Britain. And I was like, churches have not been allowed at that time to gather like that. But for them in their thousands gathered to chant. And where is one ministration of the body of Christ where all churches are gathered regardless of their denominations? Because these ones gathered as weakers, druids, warlocks, whatever in their categories as they mentioned. They all gathered and the common agenda and the common enemy was the church. And the church cannot come together. They don't understand the power of numbers. So I'll, I'll close with this. An altar is a gate through which the supernatural meets the natural. And you will see that in Exodus 20, 22 to 24. I want to close <laughs> with that because our time is up. And... Um, I hope you have been blessed and you're going to continue pushing and you understand that as you, when you come into devotion and to pray, this is an altar. You must have your family altar. 
in that family altar you are responsible as a priest to take authority over your territory over your region you're supposed to take authority over the airways and the airwaves you're supposed to take authority pray for your men and women of god pray for what you want to see in the service you pray it on your altar what you want to see in your life because if you don't there is a neighbor there's a neighbor there who you don't know who they are and what altar they are running so i wouldn't say that um i have uh, taught you about altars i have only introduced the topic of altars to you as i should say it's just the introductory of it uh, since we're still here we are not gonna preach like we are going to die on you um we are here for 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 as long as jesus tarries another time that will be my uh my focus in order for us to strengthen um or fortify our prayer closets to understand that that place is your place where you draw strength and don't despise it because that's where men and women of god that you admire are made in jesus mighty precious name we declare that you are blessed in the name of jesus i want you to ask the lord and tell him lord send fresh fire upon my prayer altar tell him father god i know i am the altar i am the temple my heart is your altar if you remember yesterday what i said the heart is a meeting place this is the altar this is the temple wherever there is a temple there is an altar so your heart is a meeting place god meets with you in your spirit man so right now in the name of jesus some some things is not just uh declarations but um you are left to for your reflection what is it that you need to give to god and sacrifice in in the name of jesus what's your altar gonna cost you okay wow thank you somebody has sent me a scripture that i had not seen i've just seen it in hebrews <laughs> um 13 10 was a sin some of us people have just typed so fast it's run away from me <laughs> thank you very much now um let us declare um let me pray for you as you go Heavenly Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your children. We thank you for this opportunity for us to assemble and to have fellowship with you in Jesus' name. Father God, we thank you for fresh fire upon our prayer altars in the name of Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you because great things you have done, great things you are doing, great things you are about to do in the lives of your children in Jesus' name. Now, as we have come to meet with you on this altar and we know, that an altar is a gate through which super the supernatural meets the natural father god in jesus name we give you earthly access we've already given you earthly access now jehovah god meet your children according to the point of their needs in jesus name every transaction that has taken place on this altar jehovah god we know that you will honor the prayers of your children we know that through christ jesus by his blood and in his name we have free access 
to ascend into the realm of the supernatural and transact with you in Jesus' name. And revelation becomes our reality. Wisdom has become our reality. Prosperity is ours. Victory is ours. We are ex excelling in glory, increasing in fire and power. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, as your children go, I decree and I declare that we are all, and those who are near and dear to us, are all hidden together with Christ in God. And there is no weapon that is formed or forged against our lives, be it physical, spiritual, biological, emotional, psychological, financial, political, be it any weapon formed by the enemy, be it spiritual, physical, it will not prosper in Jesus' name. I stand on this altar to speak into the lives of those that are feeling sick in their bodies and I rebuke every infirmity by the power in the blood of Jesus, by the power and the ministry of the word of God. I speak to every root of sickness, be uprooted and begin to wither in the name of Jesus. I curse every sickness and disease upon this altar. I curse every sickness and pain in the name of Jesus. For the Bible says, cursed is he who hangs on the tree. Jesus became a curse for us that we may be able to appropriate the blessing of God. The blessing of healing, the blessing of of supernatural health. Lord, I thank you because your children are here, standing here as beneficiaries of the healing stripes of Jesus. Lord, I rebuke pain because Jesus died and rose again. Pain was defeated because he was bruised for all sicknesses was dealt with. Now you powers behind sickness and disease, hear the word of the Lord. Pack your bags and go. Live in the name of Jesus Christ. You are illegally in that body. You are illegally in that body. So I judge you by the power of the word of God. With the sword of the spirit, I cut you to pieces in Jesus' name. Let there be healing. Let there be restoration in the name of the Lord Jesus. For those who are going for interviews. Lord, I thank you for your favor. Your favor has gone ahead of them. Lord, I thank you because every environment that will present itself today will be in their favor in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare by the power of the blood of Jesus, we declare that this day is retrieved from the hands of the enemy. We connect this day. To, we decree and declare by the blood of Jesus Christ, this day is connected to the throne of God. Lord. The four corners of this nation where they declare that the blood of Jesus has taken hold of the four corners of the earth and has shaken wickedness out of its structures and systems and everything is going to work in our favor as kingdom children of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon and I know you've been blessed. For more information about Shiloh Tabernacle and other sermons, please visit our website www.shiloh.org.uk and don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Shiloh LDN. Once again, that's at Shiloh LDN. You've been listening to Shiloh Tabernacle London, changing lives, building dreams. Until next time.